This week on the Pre-Real Podcast, Chris Prefontaine, we chatted with Chris a couple of years ago. Uh, he has a, a three payday system that he's trademarked. I want to have Chris back on because this is the market where his program really smashes. Uh, I suspected that was the case. And boy, oh boy, is it the case. $100 million in transactions. Folks, give this show a listen. Uh, he has a ton of free content and giveaways. And it is a, a, a brilliant system where with very little capital, you can make the transition into acquiring real estate deals in any market uh, and start taking down and building out your portfolio. I was real excited to have Chris back on. Uh, Wicked Smart, that Wicked Smart, he's Wicked Smart, but he's also the founder and chairman of Wicked Smart. Uh, great system, folks. Don't miss this one. Chris Prefontaine. Um, and we're also going to be making a big announcement in the next couple of days. We're going live and formalizing the investment side of the business, something we've worked on for many years. So you'll be able to check us out on prerealinvestments.com. Uh, but please check out this episode and uh, we'll see you all soon. Are you ready to bring your real estate game to the next level? My name is James Prendamano. I'm the CEO and founder of Pre-Real. And over the past 25 years, I've closed over a billion dollars in transactional real estate. Each week, I'm meeting with outstanding investors, high-performing individuals, and visionaries operating in the real estate space. These are the people that are actually out there in the real estate game right now getting it done. This podcast aims at bringing anyone's game to the next level. This is the Pre-Real Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Pre-Real Podcast. Uh, we're joined today by Chris Prefontaine. He's the founder and chairman at Wicked Smart. Uh, we've had Chris on before in, uh, in a different life and a different iteration. He's got a, an amazing system. Uh, he's trademarked, I believe it is, the three payday uh, methodology. And it, considering where we are in the market, Chris, I thought it would be a great opportunity to have you on and really take a deeper dive into the program. So thank you for taking the time to join us. Yeah, well, thank you because it just you you're recognizing and pivoting with the market, and I I, I appreciate that. Well, it's look, it's, we're we're here to try and give value to the audience where we can, and considering what's happening out there, I I, I suspected that demand would be skyrocketing for you all, and and it would be a great opportunity for folks to pick the system up. Spot on. Yeah. All right, so let's jump right in. Um, I, I want to start if we can, just going back for a little bit. Um, I think it's important to provide context for the audience and to to come off as as real, right? Like you you've done over a hundred million dollars in transactions, um, and people hear that sort of stuff and they they go, oh, a hundred million right. in, in deals, but but it wasn't always that way for you, Chris. No, 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 no. I started by myself even before my son Nick came in. So this is going back to like post crash, like 2012 ish into 13, just like everyone else does. I was making the dials to the Fizbos, making the dials to the expireds, the ferrant by owners, just doing one deal at a time. That's exactly how it started. And that's how we teach our students to do it. So no different. Um, we, that's why we always say we're in the trenches. We don't just say that flippantly. I mean, we, every single week, we're either doing deals ourselves or with the students, just like I did day one. And you, this was born out of, uh, you were a real estate broker first. 2008 hit and and it was a tough time right actually a little bit of a combo so i was a broker back like 95 to 2000 actively and then i sold to cobalt banker i hung on to my license but 
I wasn't going crazy. I was doing my own investments from 2000 to 2008. Yeah. And then that, yeah, all that hit. So you're going deal to deal. You're doing all the traditional things that, that most of us do. And you, you was it a moment that you had? Well, you know, what was the, that, that point where you went, you know, okay, I've had enough and this is, I need to find a better way. Yeah, it was just post-crash because it was, okay, let's not borrow from banks and sign personally on bank loans and pledge credit and all that. And it was, let's not borrow money, period, to do deals. And when I say let's not sign, I couldn't after the crash anyway because my credit was down, right? So you had a, we had to improvise. And improvise was, let's do lease purchase, let's do owner financing, let's do subject to. Those are the only three ways to this day we still buy. But that was born out of necessity back then. Right. So uh, that's that's music to investors ears, right? Not right. having to rely on um, a third party to provide financing, especially when you're self-employed. It's just utterly miserable. Um, oh, and getting harder, too. It's absolutely getting harder. It is getting harder. The, the traditional metrics almost don't even matter anymore. There's there's little, if any, common sense applied to the lending guidelines. It is it is incredibly frustrating and it makes it really hard to scale man yeah it does it does because people if they're relying on that it does and i used to um for the first 18 years this is my 32nd year in the in the business and i i forget what years on you and i talked on your show but we bought our office building that way too so i don't want the listeners to think it's just single or just dupl you know we you can buy any asset class and you always could since the 1600s this has been done it's just that we've wrapped a support mechanism around it to stay with people and do the deals because I think too many people go to seminars or watch it, you know, do a course online and it doesn't tell you all the nuances, doesn't tell you what you're going to hit. So we try to tell them all that and then they go out and they're not a pivot. So the, the core principles, and then I wanted to take a deep dive into some specifics, but the core yeah. principles of the program is that you're targeting uh, folks who have a problem right? That's step one is identifying someone else has a need. They have not sold their asset and they are looking to take the next step. Traditional methods have failed. And now what? Uh, let me uh, clarify. So you got like the whole first half of that. Yes. So the, what you just described lends itself to either a sub two deal where we're buying and the loan stays in place because they just want relief or, or a lease. However, I just alluded to my building. The other side of this equation is not just solving problems, it's helping them accomplish a goal that the conventional market wasn't able to do, i.e. my building was free and clear. The guy wasn't hurting. He wanted specifically owner financing for tax reasons and trust and planning reasons. And a lot of families do that with uh, properties that they inherit, properties that are free and clear, and they just want proper planning. So they're not, they don't have a problem. They have a goal they're trying to solve. And usually it's, let's get my max price. As long as they give us the time, we can do that. So there's two edges to that. Okay. So that's an important distinction. Yeah. Now the audience or, or some of the audience is going to think nobody provides owner financing in my market. They all say it. I, I get new students saying that. Um, our market that I just described where I, where I did the building is we're on an island, three town island. It's usually an active market. I don't care what the, what the general market's doing. And so he was getting realtors coming up to him and with full price offers. He didn't want that. He had to understand what he, he did not want that. Um, we have students in California to that point. I'm sure that's where a lot of the listeners might, you know, hot markets like that. And, and the only deals he's doing, he happens to be one of our coaches now, but he started new. He was a gym teacher and a basketball coach. He's doing million dollar deals, owner financing. 
because you got people that just don't want to deal with the open market or during COVID didn't want people in their house or have two homes and just want to just be done and trust someone, doctors, attorneys, you know, these people aren't hurting financially. They want a better program. Uh, so yeah, you can do it in every market. You want to, here's a stat. All to the people that might be thinking that a third of the properties in the United States are free and clear a third. And presumably, I think we can at least make the assumption that if they needed the cash, they would have done a, a cash out, right? They would have pulled some money out. So these people are great with doing their price, your term. And they'll do it. And how do you find these folks? There's actually, okay. So we usually talked with, just like I told you, I started dialing years ago, the, the expire, the for sale by owner, the for rent by owner. You'll stumble upon some free and clear there, but you can buy lists. One of my favorite lists is out of state free and clear. So they're out, of, you know, especially post COVID, but it was always a great list. Might be a second home. That's just a matter of time before someone might look into that, you know? So yes, that's an awesome list. So you're identifying these folks and what's the program? What, what's the pitch? Um, I, the simple script, this would be for anyone, even if they had, because you don't know yet what the underlying debt is, right? Let's say you didn't know they were free and clear. My simple script to almost everyone at the opening is, hey, James, I, I see your price is X, 500,000. If I can get you to your price, I haven't seen your home yet, but just hypothetically, if I can get you to your price, are you open to owner financing or lease purchase? Or do you need all your cash out now to go buy something else? Like if it's a family and they're trying to go buy another home, we're not the buyer. But the, about 38% of the people we talk to, James, are open to at least a conversation. And then out of those, you get about a 10 to 15% where you'll have in-depth conversations and see if you can solve that, you know, whatever it might be, a goal or a problem. So if you are a traditional seller and you, you need to sell your asset to move on, this is likely not the program for them? Yeah, unless, uh, especially if they have equity that they need to get out, right? If they want to sell it for debt relief and move on, they don't have any equity, great program, right? Because they don't care. They just want relief. But if they have equity sitting there, yeah, and they want to go buy something for, say, for a family home, they got to move to another town, they got to have all the equity. All right, they got to go conventional then. They all can't right. wait. So the market is there, uh, you know, a third of the country. I didn't know that. That's an outstanding stat uh, of the properties in the country are owned free and clear. 38% uh, are willing to have a conversation, 10 to 15%. Uh, are in-depth conversations, then it, it probably falls quite a bit to the deal maker if they can close or not. Exactly. Right? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So let's explain the system to to the folks, if if you will, in your words, you know, top down. Do you want to cover all three different ways? Uh, we, let's live. And then we can see what you have for time. Let's live in the owner financing category for a minute, since we okay. started there. Yeah. Because yep. uh, we gave them the stat, and if we leave them hanging, <laughs> so. <laughs> So here's what's interesting with the owner financing. Most of our deals are with the seller, getting them to their top number, as I alluded to, and doing so by making monthly principal-only payments, not interest. Now, I say most because just case in point, the building is a great example. All sellers won't do that forever. So sometimes you do kind of a hybrid where you'll start, I did it on the building, you'll start for about 18 months or two years with principal only. So it hammers it down. It's a great recession play, right? Recession hedge. And then after that, you take the remaining balance and then you amortize it over some kind of a schedule or you tear the interest up over time. So you both win. That's the whole idea. 
That gentleman said to me, I, I don't do that. I, I do interest. Here's what I want for a rate. And I said, well, we only do principal. And we came to a happy medium where we split it up. We both won. So the, the audience has to be thinking, well, if, if it was worth the dollar amount that they want, they would have sold it. So where's the magic happen here? What's the missing piece? Uh, two things. Number one, they're usually going to get a premium. So that, that, but, but more important on that deal I'm telling you about is, remember, he didn't want cash for, mm -hmm. for estate and uh, tax reasons. That's the, usually the catch with the people that are free and clear. And they get that. And let's picture this, uh, James. Let's say they didn't want, a, for trust planning reasons or tax reasons, they, that wasn't a goal of theirs. They just want price. And so to your point, let's say they're on for half a million. I'll just use that number. If I'm going to make monthly principal payments of, let's use a round number so we can discuss it, of two grand a month, do I really care if I pay a premium of, let's say, 10 grand on that price? When in five months, I'm going to eat that down in principal payments. No. Especially if you get a 10-year term. It, it doesn't matter what the market does in 10, because 10 years is a long time. And then you get five months to eat that up. So now, ego-wise or whatever you want to call for their planning, they got top dollar for that property. Okay. So, but, but where's the second part of the transaction? Now, the, you've got this, uh, this parcel. It's worth a half a million dollars, or that's the price or yep. 510, whatever it's going to be, right? $2,000 a month is what they want in payments. Okay. Now what? As far as the exit and, and yeah. the next steps. Yeah. So, okay, let's go with the, it doesn't matter what the term is, it could be five or 10, how we exit all these properties at the front end, because there's, there's an advanced strategy at the front end is rent to own. And it's very, very specific because you and I can go on a lot of podcasts today or YouTube today and find educators saying, oh, just put a buyer in there, we rent to own, and if they don't cash out, it's okay, you get another buyer. And that might be okay for their legal agreement, but morally and ethically, it stinks. So we set up our buyers, it's complete inverse relationship. My son, Nick, has done this for years as our buyer specialist. Inverse relationship, meaning I will tell you that if you listen to them right now publicly, they'll say that about 20% of their deals get cashed out tops if they're good. Our, our default rate is somewhere between two and 7% tops. And that's because people are still going to have life events, regardless of how good we are at putting them into a mortgage ready position. So we set them up to win. There's a huge difference in that component right there with our community than, than anywhere else I see. So it is going to be a rent to own. Now, if we have a longer term, let's say it's a 10 or we own the property sub two forever. I will say, we will say to the buyer, hey, if you can prove yourself over the next two years, you never miss a late payment monthly. You can get your deposit up eventually to 20%. We will then own or finance you. So now you turned a very lucrative deal into being the bank and having a super lucrative three payday deal. But usually it starts with rent to own. So that would entail, I would imagine, extensive vetting on at the onset of yeah the all of it does yeah it does absolutely yeah so they've got to go through so okay so there's two tiers here just to keep it simple the people that need credit enhancement we look at everything it's not someone who had a 30-year problem can't run their finances that's not who that's not a good buyer a good buyer is they had a life event a legit life event that we can track the third-party company looks at this hey I had, we had a death a divorce covid whatever it might be we're back on our feet they get a third-party uh, 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 credit worthiness and mortgage ready plan that says, hey, if they do ABC, they jump through these hoops, they're going to be mortgage ready in blank months, 18, 24, 36. 
So we set that up so that it fits with inside of our term with our seller. That's the people that need credit enhancement. However, post-COVID, there's, there's an enormous onslaught of entrepreneurs that are leaving W-2 to go into their own business. There's a, a record amount right now, as you probably know. So they have credit, they have cash, they only need seasoning for two years. Those are great rent-home buyers. Great rent-home buyers. Those so, are the two kind of, kind of categories. So what are you selling this property to the uh, that that exact avatar? You know, they're W-2 and uh, they, they've left that. Now they're doing their own thing. They, they're not qualifying for traditional financing or they're like me and they're just freaking exhausted on the process and don't want to be yeah. bothered. Yeah. Uh, how do you take the half a million dollar uh, option or lease option and convert that into cash for you guys? Yep. So the, then that's where the three payers come in. So I'll, I'll insert this. So let's just say I don't, not knowing comps, right. And whatever house we're talking about, if I'm getting in there at five and I know every month I'm hammering principal down, we're probably going to be five and a quarter to five fifty on a terms creative financing uh, arrangement for the buyer. And they not only don't argue with that, they welcome that because they, they thought they couldn't buy and we're putting them in a vehicle that they can actually act like a homeowner now. So payday one is they're coming to the table with their down payment. A lot of these W2 people, James, don't even realize because they're not in our world. They don't realize that they, they can't buy a home yet. They go to the bank with their 50, 60, 100 grand and the bank goes, oh, no, no, no. We need two years of seasoning. Yeah. So they put that down payment down with us. That's payday one, non-refundable. The payment you and I used in our discussion was two grand. So if I'm paying the seller two grand, I might be at about 2,500. I'm going to look at the current rates and see what they are going to pay eventually for a mortgage. And I'm going to try to be around that. Uh, I actually like to be a smidge higher so they have incentive to take me out eventually. So that delta between those two numbers, that's our payday too. Okay, then, so so just to be clear, uh, $2,000 a month is going back to our original seller. Yeah. You're taking a look and saying, okay, if it was a half a million dollar purchase or a 525 purchase and it was a 10% deposit um, at, you know, if the rates are 5%, that's 6%, 6.5%, whatever it is, because you're not a W-2 borrower, your payment would be 2650 a month. Exactly. So we're at $2,650. And now that $650 a month, that's payday number two. Correct. Okay. And then payday three is interesting on this, on the type we're talking about, especially because let's say we only went to five and a quarter on this. We didn't go crazy on the markup. So it's 25 grand sitting there. Well, every month, 2000 came off the principal. So if they had a 36 month term, that's $72,000 that came off a of principal. You just picked up another hundred grand at most, 95 or whatever that comes to 97 grand on payday three. Just by principal pay down and markup. So that's why you're insisting on principal with your initial seller. Yeah, okay. even if it's short term, you know, and then you convert. Okay. So you're taking their 2000 because they're paying you the 2650. You're taking the 2000 from your tenant option buyer and your using their two grand to pay your seller back. And because that's a principal only deal, you're actually taking $2,000 a month off of your principal balance. Every month. Yep. Okay. Yep, every month. So if you went three years, like you said, that's 66 grand or no, that's, that's uh 72, 73, 74,000. 70 yeah. That comes off and that was their money. So payday three is what appears that you're only making $25,000 
you're making close to a hundred because exactly. that, you're paying it down with the other guy's money. So I'll give you a metric on this. Um, so simple because most listeners, this will apply to. Um, if you can, if you're purchasing a house that's free and clear for at least 200 grand, I'll use round numbers or up and your monthly payments, at least a thousand dollars a month principal or higher. And you get at least four year terms, just four years. That's a six figure deal. All three paydays. Wow. Every time. As long as you plug and play those metrics. And the deal you're making with your seller on the first leg or is that a lease option or is it, or are you taking title at that point? How does that, the mechanics of that work? In the one we just discussed, we, we buy it. We take title. Yeah. And we usually do so with uh, no money down. So you'll have to, it's the only time we come out of pocket. So for a new student, they might wait till they get a few deals. We'll have to pay the transfer tax for the seller. If it's a state, most states have it uh, because you can't expect to go no money down and then they pay their own transfer tax. That would be insane. So we do have a down payment, if you will, but it's going to transfer tax. Small. Okay. So you're taking title at that point and it's just a standard note. Now you have possession of the home. Seller is for the, all intents and purposes out of the picture. Yeah, they're bank. Yep. They're gone. And are they requiring uh, significant deposits from you? No. No, like most of them are no money down. I'll give you, an, there's always exceptions. The we did a home, uh, you're in New York, so you know the area. We did a home in Cape Cod. We've since sold out of this, but it was on, uh, overlook, on a bluff overlooking the open ocean. We actually bought it from a realtor who worked out of the Boston market who couldn't sell it, but also had you know, an ill mother and some other circumstances that we were able to help her with. So 945000 purchase. She was free and clear. 2500 a month principal only. We put eight grand down. That's like an exception to how we usually do it. But still, $945,000 home. We put less than a percent down. Wow. But we solved her challenge, which was she wanted to stay in the house a little while, help her mom, et cetera. So again, you're, all we're doing, people say, how do you convince? You don't. You're, you ask intelligent questions. You listen. If you can solve or help them accomplish a goal, great. And if not, you move on. You're just looking to help. That's all you're doing. Are most of these sellers attorneying up and going through a, a formal process, title, all that good stuff? Yeah, if we're good question, if we're buying one of financing or subject to existing, yes, because it's a, it's a transfer. When we do a lease purchase, no, they don't. You know, usually it's simple paperwork. That is that is fascinating, and I guess it's just it's a matter of wrapping your head around. Um, and we had talked about this before. You you get into this groove and this pattern, and you're so used to doing things your way that you forget to take the time to, to look around and understand that there's what your goals are, are not your client's right. goals, right? Like that's, right. that is mistake number one I see agents make. They're constantly projecting their opinions and their goals onto their clients. And most of the time those things don't align and it, it starts to sour the relationship straight away. Yeah. Cause they're looking for, you said agents, it could be the agent looking for the listing or it could be an investor looking for a deal and, and they get in their own way. All you can do is focus on the seller and you'll be much better off. They feel that they know that. Trying to now, help. You've done this. Uh, I know your office building was one case, but have you done this on commercial properties at, in any significant measure? Yeah, well, we've done, I've done a six, I've done a four. You can do any, literally any asset. In fact, right now, there was a, just last week in our community, 
somebody came across a 100-unit building where the gentleman was looking. He had an existing loan, so this would be a sub two, but it's a form of owner financing. And it was at like a 2.7% rate. And he was looking for someone to take that over and do a sub two. He's a savvy investor. He just was spent age-wise. He didn't want to do it anymore. He wanted to become the bank. So you can do this literally in any asset class. People do it with boats and planes. I mean, it's not just real estate. Owner financing has been around forever. And the, the other two scenarios would be a sub two and a lease option, correct? Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you want to run through quick scenarios on that as well? Or? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's do a quick sub two deal. What does that I, look like? I like that. I was going to go there next. So thank you. Because right now rates are wherever they are. Six is, let's say, well, there's so many loans sitting at the twos and the threes and the fours that we're now buying subject to. So that means if you're brand new listener, just let me not go too far ahead, means you're purchasing a home and the deed is coming to you, just like on our financing. The difference is the loan is staying in the seller's name, meaning they're the guarantor. You will never be the guarantor. You're not assuming it. You're just making payments on it until such time you cash it out. So you actually own that home for as long as you want. And that's a great scenario for starting as a rent to own with your buyer and then converting it to owner financing because you don't have a clock ticking on a term. Now, wait a minute. On your sub two deals, sub two, subject to folks. Yep, yep. You're finding a seller who has a mortgage. You're buying the home from them and they are remaining as the guarantor of the note? Correct. That's actually done a lot more than on the financing right now, believe it or not. Because remember when you started the show, you said, are these people that have a problem on a financing? No, sub two. Yes. They're usually, uh, we just did one again towards the Cape. Uh, the couple was getting divorced. This is a great scenario. Life event happens. Uh, they rehab the home. They ran up credit card debt. They were $4,100 in arrears. So they needed relief like yesterday. So we purchased a home. We found our tenant buyer, got our payday one, paid the small $4,100 in arrears. And we still to this day own that home. Can you give me just uh, uh, if you don't want to use that exact one, that's fine. Mm -hmm. Just give me give me numbers. Like, yeah, talk me through get, the deal. I'll be close on that one. So that was on the market with a realtor. I want to say for like let me see, we sold it in a four. So it was like three eighty five or so. Okay, it's on somewhere the between three eighty five and four. Yep. And it expires or it expired. Yep. My son in law Zach found it, and when it expired, they had already given up. So it was forty one hundred dollars in arrears, which was literally just one mortgage payment and then some late fees and stuff that had built up. Okay. So you find this expired, you call them up and what, what's the pitch? How are we doing this? What's the structure? Um, Zach called it, but I can tell you the conversation with an expired is very, very simple. If it had sold, where are you going? How soon did you need to be there? And what if it doesn't sell? Cause now they already didn't sell once, right? When you ask those questions, I don't care what, status the, the seller is, you get the whole scenario. Uh, where are you going if it sells? How soon do you need to be there? And what if it doesn't? What's your plan B? When Zach called them, though, they jumped right to, we're in arrears. One of the spouses was on the deed. One was on the mortgage. You know, it was just a mess. They weren't talking. One was out on Block Island and one was somewhere else out of state. And so all he had to do is solve for that 4,100 and move quickly. And we could. We also knew, James, important to know, a lot of these deals are contingent upon finding that buyer, just so your listeners don't think, oh man, I gotta take on all this stuff. No, they're usually contingent upon finding a buyer, but if we know the market real well, this is in our backyard, essentially, 
And that price range is a very, very hot price range. We knew that would pop before the agreement even got done to close the deal. And it did. We found a buyer before that thing even got to the closing table. So what are the mechanics of this though? Cause I'm, I'm still missing some pieces. They have a mortgage. Yeah. So are you, are you taking title in this instance? Yeah, we took title. Uh, attorneys run it just like a regular settlement statement. So picture a settlement statement where you bring new money to the table and a bank shows up there, right? Mm -hmm. You know, XYZ mortgage company brings new money to the table. A settlement statements generated the exact same prorations. Everything happens, buyer and seller side. However, where that new money would show up, it says subject to existing loan with list the bank and it lists the existing balance right there that day. And that balances out the settlement statement. Are you taking title here? Yes. So how is the bank, um, the, the bank is essentially losing their collateral, no? No, because the, the, the mortgage stays on there. With all that stays in place. The title changes. The collateral doesn't change. So the guarantor. Well, the Just guarantor stays. Guarantor stays too. Everything stays in place. See, all the bank would see, let's go there for a second, actually. All the bank would see is that perhaps there was, there was some family planning or trust work done. Because we're going to take that in a, let's say it's one, two, three, Jump Street. We're going to take it in one, two, three, Jump Street, family trust. It provides a little bit, another layer of um, anonymity in, in the banks back in, gosh, I think it was way back in 82 or so. They, they came up with the Garmin St. Germain Act that did not trigger a due on sale if you did trust planning and family planning like that. So that's why we do that. Now, you're not and, actually putting it in a trust, but that's the name of the entity. Uh, we, you can do entity or trust, depending on what the attorney wants to do in that state, just so we don't get too detailed. Yeah, because I'm not an attorney. Yep. Okay. So, and by the way, that's important to say, James, because you can get, you can call, I called uh, for a student in Jersey recently, right near you, four attorneys, four who said, oh no, you can't do that here. I said, God, this doesn't sound right. So I called our attorney who operates in 32 states. And she said, of course you can. There's tens of thousands of them done every, every year in Jersey, and New York. So we just had to find someone that does these all the time. So that's for your listeners to know that when you find the right attorney, you're fine. Don't let someone tell you you can't find someone that just does these. And they'll tell you what you can do and what you can't do. Now, is that part of the program? Is there a network of, of professionals that, that we can tap into? Yeah. Yeah, we actually have a, a find attorney service. But then we finally, after, it was a lot of years, we found this one that is in 32 states. So it deals with a lot of our associates that we do deals with. Okay, so you're getting legit title insurance. You're oh, yeah. actually getting title. Yep. Um, the it's just the, the collateral is remaining, the, the guarantor is remaining. Right. It's set up where it is in a trust, maybe not in a trust, but it's set up as one, two, three family trust. Yep. It doesn't trigger uh, a concern on the bank. And to be candid, if the bank's getting paid, they really don't care. You just said it. I was just going to say that. They, they're not, they, want, they want to get paid. You pay, you pay your bills on time and you're fine. That's a big misconception. People think that, that banks are you know, sitting back going, ooh, how are we going to take this back? Yeah. Banks, banks don't want to own real estate. They suck at it. Right. And uh, it, it sells they they to their favor. They, yeah. yeah. It, it, it took a few cycles for them to get it, but they get it now. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to be real estate owners. It's too costly. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it's a different standard they have to adhere to. It, it, it's, it, it's a lift. So, okay, we, we're going to buy this deal. It was on the market for 385. What are we paying for it? Um, we actually took it for just the existing uh, debt 
this was it was like 367. Uh, and the the caveat here was the husband, they, because they ran up debt rehabbing this thing. Um, they they may have watched a, a, a home home network channel special, but they ran up personal debt. And the husband said, "I'm not signing off unless that gets paid." So what Zach did with them very very strategically was he said, "Okay, it was like uh, I want to say eight grand. Uh, we'll pay that in installments." Over the next, I think he did quarterly payments of like two grand. So that's how we solved the husband's problem. The wife just wanted to be done. And that's how the deal came together in the arrears, of course. Okay. Now you have taken title. Uh, you immediately start paying that note. Yeah. As soon as we closed it. So again, we had some, you know, the runway right now with title companies, it took at least 30, 40 days. And while that was happening, my son, Nick puts it on the, mar uh, on the open market. The, the rent to own market, the terms market is such in demand right now that there's the amount of people that can't get bank financing. So we had a buyer in hand with 41 grand down, which was 10% because we went on the market at 410. So you, by simply putting it on the market and advertising no that bank. you're going to provide financing, I would suspect having been a victim of this over and over and over that people will pay significantly over market price to be able to get in. Is that a fair statement? It is very fair. Now this particular house we're we're right at, we were right at market. We went to market. Now it's even higher, but yes, they would have, if we pushed it higher and here's the punchline, you know, who's in the home right now that bought that and put that down an attorney. She was going through law school and unfortunately beat up her credit and loved what we had. So she's in the home tickle pink. Property's gone up since then. Everybody's happy. It's a win-win. Yeah, I, I, I'm glad you said that because I could see there being um, a misconception of who your buyer pool is going to be uh, that needs owner financing. And it's not what you would suspect, folks. No. Uh, oftentimes, these are people that are of means. Um, there are life circumstances, as Chris said, and it's just many times our job. Uh, because we're not W-2, banks don't want to lend. And uh, I mean, it is a it is a wicked hassle to, to have to go through that process, man. It's just it's grueling. It's, it yeah. really is. I, I, the amount of entrepreneurs we have, James, on that note, um, I can think of so many scenarios where the buyers come in, met with my son, and they own a cleaning business. I could think of one. The guy's name was George. This woman, attorney, uh, just this week in uh, North Providence, a gentleman came in, he was almost in tears, he got a divorce, he has a plumbing company, does very well. But you know, to your point, they're not gonna finance him today. So you take this deal down at 367, you're selling it at 410, you had the arrears and you have the closing costs. So what are we talking about? 25, 30 grand you're netting on payday? On one? the mark up, and then the principal paid on that one because the loan was pretty well in place. I, I wanna say it's like 480 a month or so, that's pretty good. You know, six grand a year. Okay, and and you're then doing the same thing that we did in scenario one. If the I'm assuming if the payment's two thousand a month, you're going in at twenty six fifty. You're keeping that six fifty while you're continuing to pay down that initial note. Correct. Yeah, now, I, the numbers on this are like twenty one and change piti, and she's paying us twenty five and change or twenty six and change. It's about five hundred dollars payday to every month too. 
Okay, now in this scenario, it's not a straight line pay down though, because it was an, a loan that was already existing, existing amortizing right. per that schedule. Right. And I, I guess you just marry up your terms with the terms of the note, or do you shorten that up and try and get them out in five years, 10 years? What does that look like for you? Uh, good question. Depends on where, I'll tell you what we do, what we did, but it depends on where the student is. Like if it's their first deal, would we try to keep our finger on the policy and cash them out sooner? Probably. With us, we have enough deals going on. So with her, for example, she was one that we offered her after we accepted her. And she thought, okay, I got to eventually go for financing and go through that whole hoop. We said to her, look, if you can stay on time for two years, the scenario I gave you earlier, and you can bring your payment up from the 10% to the 20, we will want to finance you. So there's no pressure. They love that. And so then we would have to marry the terms and, and, and make sure everything works with the amortization. But when they're in the house prior to that, James, it's, they're just paying a lease payment. They get no principal credit until they get financing. So you're not selling this to them now. You're, they're signing a lease option? Yeah, rent to own. Yep. And you're requiring a portion of the down payment now? Oh yeah. They can't get in the home unless they have, they watch videos on our site that, that kind of pre-educates them before they get to Nick. They're going to know that, okay, if everything looks great and solid job, solid, everything checks out with the third party, we prefer 10, but we'll, you'll get in the house for three, as long as there's a schedule to get it up to 10 tax refunds, retroactive pay. We had a sergeant, for example, in the state police that had retroactive pay. And he said, Hey, I'm getting that in October. I'll give you this much, you know, so we'll schedule it out so they get more and more vested in the home and we're setting them up to win because at the end they can't have 3% and then the bank tells them, oh no, remember I told you you need 10% or whatever it might be. We have to make sure that's in sync so that we set them up to win. So those payments are in addition to the rental payment. Yep. Oh yeah, they got to do that up front to get in because then if you don't, you're asking for trouble. We've been there. You, you have a glorified renter who yep. someday has a dream to buy and it's just not, it's not the same. No, they don't treat it like a buyer. Yep. Yeah, you, you want yep. people that are that are vested, that are have a goal, they want to own the home, and you're you're providing a hell of a service here. You're giving them the opportunity to get into a house they otherwise could not afford, um, or not that they couldn't afford it. They didn't have the structure to acquire the home. You're allowing them to get in at a fraction of what the normal down payment would be. You're taking their rental payment. You're putting it through a program that is bolstering their credit because you could report rent payments now, right? And it yep. counts to fix your credit. And you're taking throughout the course of the year, two, three, five, whatever it is, events, tax refunds, like you said, bonuses where you're, you're clawing one or 2% out every year toward that initial down payment to get them to that 10% so that within that prescribed period of time, when they're when you're ready, you can actually get them traditional financing at that point. Exactly. And that's when you're being taken out and the balance of the payment is occurring. Exactly. So payday one is the few points on the down payment. Payday two is the delta between the uh, pre-existing regularly amortizing mortgage and the rent payment. And then payday three is when they actually cash you out and they take title to the home. Yep. Spot on. Yep. What percent of those rent to own folks default? Two to seven in wow. our world, which, which in the, even in the world of lending is great. It's nothing. That's amazing. No. no. 
And those are usually legit. Like, here's the thing. It's nice when you have longer terms, right? Clearly, because you can add the paydays up just by what you just summarized. However, the longer the term reality is, the longer there is for them to have a, a life event and things can happen. So you got to kind of balance that and make it a win-win. Um, that's when things come up. Like, you know, COVID, I think out of, at that time, we had a lot of properties. We had like 60 something properties and we had two defaults. I think it was two, maybe max three during COVID. That's really good. Now, why is that? If you have landlords listening, because they're buyers. So just like when they were paying a mortgage during COVID, if they could, they paid it. Right. They didn't try to skip out. Whereas renters said, oh, rent assistance. And they, they could take advantage. But a buyer can't do that because we have to report their payments when they go to get qualified. You can't say, oh, I took advantage of that. I stopped paying. It's a different mentality. So you guys performed okay through COVID. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Wow. Okay. What's scenario three now? That's a, just a, a lease option. Yep. Lease option. Actually pretty simple. So we, we went from the more difficult to this. The, the lease option is great for new people because no title transfers. I'm, I'm going to control a home by way of a lease purchase agreement. We provide all these in our, in our forms uh, for 10 bucks. $10 is built into the agreement. Who's my target? Same thing? Expired? Same thing. Yeah, same okay. thing. It just depends on their scenario. So a scenario might be they're not hurting financially. They have annoying debt. They have a little bit of equity. And they're not so keen to sign that over to for sub two, right? They just, they don't know you so that the trust level is not there. So a lease purchase is great for them. And it's simple for the student. It's great for them because they still have all the accounting benefits and they control the deed. And it's great for the student because there's little to no risk because they just entered a lease agreement. It's very simple. You can't do this in Texas because you can't be in the middle of, of a lease and a rent to own in Texas, what we call a sandwich. Uh, real okay. estate right now you can. Okay, so um, let's do another mock scenario real quick. Let, let's take a 350 house. Yep, 350. Let's say 350 and let's say, let's give them some equity. Let's be nice. They owe 300 grand. They have 50 grand equity. They either don't want to pay a realtor. Some people just don't want it. They want to keep all their money or they, for whatever reason, didn't sell in the open market. Could be functionality and other things that the terms buyers don't care as much about. So what do we say in the lease purchase? We simply say, and there's a clause, it's clause 13, right in the agreement that says at the end of the term, let's call it 36 months or before, we're going to pay off the, the debt of 300, which won't be 300, then it'll be a little less, but we're going to pay off the, the balance of the mortgage at time of financing. We pay and you get your 50 grand, Mr. And Mrs. Seller. So if they can wait, they protect all of their equity. And we're again, benefiting from that principal pay down. So that 300 is not 300. It might be, you know, 282 at the time. We still given them the 50, but our mortgage shrunk towards the end as we paid that off. The exit's the same way that you and I went through. No different buyer. So they had the market on the house, uh, they had the house on the market, 350. They owe 300 for a number of reasons. Like you said, it doesn't sell. You approach them and essentially you're giving them the ability to walk away from the asset at this point, right? This right. would be great for uh, folks who have another second home they're going to yeah, exactly. or something like that, right? Yep. Okay. Yep. They don't want to deal with this headache anymore. All right, um, Chris, you're going to come in and you're going to pay me X amount of dollars a month, which is exactly what their debt service Mortgage is. Mortgage payment. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Okay. Chris, you're going to pay me the debt service. And, and, and for the next three years, I don't have to worry about this headache. Um, you're paying it for me. And uh, you have the option within that three-year period 
to pay me the 300 that takes out the bank or you, you would structure it where it's whatever the loan is, right? That's exactly again, right. You yep. want that money to work for you. And, and you, you, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, you're going to get that initial 50. You're going to get full, full price. All of it. All, All of it. it. Yep. yep. Okay. Now we, we've got that deal buttoned up and we are not taking title in this instance. Correct. Now we go out and we find uh, a buyer of similar situations. Right. Same thing. Yep. They want to come in and rent and then you're using the same exit in the sub two on the lease up. Exact same exit with the caveat being what we kind of talked about both of us earlier saying, hey, how soon would you cash them out? Well, if I'm structuring a three-year lease purchase, I absolutely want to make sure I'm finding a buyer that pre-qualifies with a mortgage-ready plan that's 18 to 24. That leaves room for wiggle room so we can under-promise with the seller, make sure we cash them out on or before their date. That's super important on the lease purchase end, different from what we talked about earlier where we have a little more leeway in the back end. Now, I would suspect that default rate, is that higher? No, same, because again, same. we're going to be super picky and we're going to keep our finger on the pulse. We're going to check the portal that the credit enhancement company has. So if they ever drop off the service, we know instantly and they're in default. Like we keep on this right through the whole process. No surprise at the end. You know, all along the way, is this thing tracking the way it's supposed to track? And how do you know if the monthly mortgage amount is market for rent? How do you know if you're going to be able to, to pull that off? Uh, as far as getting them qualified at the end or just getting it sold? Uh, so it, if the, the monthly mortgage is 2,500 a month and it's a yep. three bedroom, what if the market for rent is only gotcha. 2,000 a month for a three bedroom? Uh, two answers there, both important. One is we're going to check that ahead of time from either rentometer, a number of different rental comps, right? Just to make sure we're in sync to your question. But number two, sometimes, and these are odd, but it happens. One of my first deals way back when I remember it happening, they, if a seller needs to move on or it's a second home or whatever, some of them will subsidize that 100 or two a month, as long as you have that conversation up front. Number three, those are always, if you're, if you're sketchy thinking, ah, I don't know if there's a spread, you're going to always make that contingent upon your buyer. I don't care how good you think it is. So you, you're not taking any risk. You say to the seller, uh, you know what, James, I'll take it out to the market. I think we're pushing it, but I'll take it to the market and let's see what we get. If I get someone, great. And if I don't, I come back to you and say, hey, you might have to subsidize this to get this done because that market's speaking. It's not me and you. I, there's nothing I can do about that. There's no demand. So how long of a period uh, do, do they typically market. give you to find yeah. if this is going to happen or not? If there's no stress with them making the payment, right? If everything's okay, uh, usually 90 or 180 max. We can usually get it done in 90. You know what I tell the seller, honestly? Uh, I say, look, I, I don't want it that long. Like a relative would take it long. I'm going to know within 60 days. The market's going to scream to me whether this thing's priced right because the terms market's so big. I, I'll give you another stat on that. We have a mortgage broker in our community who does hundreds of loans. Been in the business since before the crash of 08. Like knows his stuff. He said right now, 17% of his applicants are getting qualified for loans, 17. So the Jeez. demand's there. So you're going to know in 60 days whether you're going to sell this thing or not on term. And not only is the demand there, I think the demand does nothing but go up from here. You've got so many things at play, the decentralization right. of, the, of the big cities, people yep. shifting from W2 to 1099. Banks, uh, you know, we're in an inverted curve now, which means rates are going to be coming down in the future. And as rates come down, banks even further tighten the reins. 
banks don't want to lend as the rates are on the way yeah, down. It's right? happening right now. Yeah, it's happening. Wow. So we've got communities because of everything you just stated, so statistically and just factually. We've got three, I think going on four communities right now of companies you probably know, like large companies that are doing wholesaling, flipping, they have coaching programs and they're calling us saying, and they're even going to speak at our events because they're saying, okay, I don't know what to do with the students. Like the margins are shrinking, the demand shrinking, these cash deals. So they're coming to us and saying, teach our students how to do creative. Sure. And that wasn't the case for a lot of years. So it's the, the demand now is pulling from all directions. Yeah. I mean, this is a perfect storm for you. Yeah. And, and yep. again, why I thought it would be perfect to have you back on. So I appreciate it. No, I appreciate it. So when, when you're coaching these students up, are you recommending that they stay in their geographical market? Is this something that you should only be doing where you're located or is there decentralization potential here? Yeah. Great question. Only because a lot of niches, as you know, teach, and, and rightfully so, teach like strategies where they go in time markets. Uh, we tell them to stay within 50 miles of where they are. Okay. Unless they're out in the middle of nowhere, they might have to expand that. But there's, there's enough deals there, James. Like picture the ones we were talking about. Do you really need to do 15 or 20 of those a year? No. There's plenty of deals in your marketplace to be quite happy with, a, with running your business at whatever level you want to run it. And is there any market that you would say if a student came in, you would say, this isn't going to work there? Okay, it's not a matter of not working. It's a matter of how hard it's going to be. Meaning, if you're smack dab in the middle of a, of a city that's still hot market or like during, after the, the craziness of the onslaught of COVID hit and then everything got hot, it wasn't that you couldn't do it. It was you had to speak to more sellers to get the same deal. So I would tell them, don't not do it. Go on the outskirts a little bit of where you are. That's all. Just go a little bit further out. So there's not as much demand conventionally. Uh, can you talk for a, a couple of minutes on what you, what you get in the, the coaching program? Are there events coming up? I don't know if sure. you're comfortable talking about pricing. If not, can you tell me where we can find pricing? Yeah. 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 A couple of things. So the events are twice a year. So no matter when they're hearing this, the Wicked Smart Summit runs at the end of March every year. These events are two-day events with a third day for VIP that people have the option to, for a few in a box to, to tag along and they get to hang out with all our top students. The second one is in September. It's QLS Live. That stands for Quantum Leap System. QLS Live is in September, usually mid. Both of those are in Rhode Island. So those are live events. We do uh, Every week we do free stuff that they can come to every Thursday. Uh, Wicked Smart sit-downs, things like that. They're all on the website, though, to answer that question smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash events. Because we're big on free, James. I know there's a lot of shiny objects in the industry. Uh, we'll give a, a free book away here in a second too, but I want people to go like, go on YouTube, look at 240, might be 250 now of what you and I just talked about. There's that many deals posted. We whiteboard them, we show you the ins, the outs, the good, the bad. Go look at all that. If it's a niche you want to get behind, great, then come hang out. But if not, at least you did your due diligence for free. And this is available. They could actually see those deals on the website. They can see them on YouTube. Go on YouTube and type in Smart Real Estate Coach. There's three playlists mainly. Deal Structure Sundays, 200 plus of them for the last 200 plus Sundays. There's uh, Motivational Mondays and this Q&A Thursdays. Three a week, every week. And is that, uh, so if, if we want to sign up, it, are we signing up for those events or is there other coaching intermittent that goes along with it, or is it packed into those three days? 
Uh, good question. No, you'd want to. So you want to be at the event, whether you're whether you're with us or not, right? And just because you, you have a chance to meet the family and meet the coaches and, and camp out. But to answer that question, there are coaching programs running from group coaching uh, that runs only 90 days, all the way up to being working with a certified coach. So they're literally calling your buyers and sellers with you and consulting you right through the deal. Because this is where people get in trouble. They go to a course and they go, ah, I don't, I didn't know all this was going to happen. Yep. And then um, myself and Brian O'Neill, one of the top students. Uh, coach one level that's sort of almost the highest level. And then I coach five sort of very, very privately above that level. So they, they, this thing runs from, you know, uh, six figures all the way down to a couple grand. Just depends on how aggressive you want to get. So, but to put an ROI to that, which would be important, actually, the ROI on that, uh, these deals you and I are talking about, as you probably already figured out when we talked through the numbers, they range the three paydays from a low of, say, I'll be very conservative, low of 40, 45 grand, high a quarter of a million for a deal. So you're learning a skill set that you have for life. How many of those do you really need to do to, to get a really cool ROI that's comfortable for you? Everybody's different, but it's very lucrative. And it's it's incredibly low bar. Like there's no massive barrier to entry here. No, it's not like you're buying. Yeah, it's not like you're buying. You're not, you're not putting up massive amounts for the properties. This is fascinating stuff, man. What's the uh, the website again? Uh, smartrealestatecoach.com and I told you at the beginning if they want to go I'll give them the so don't forget that if they don't mind listening to you and I from New England I, I spend an hour with them uh, on a free master's class just go to it and so there's no one there's no one bugging you there you, you're watching it on your own it's at smartrealestatecoach.com forward slash master's class that's it just go camp out you'll get kind of like the A through Z whereas you and I were going through case studies. We have case studies. We show you the numbers. You can follow it a little bit easier than, you know, verbally. And uh, is that how we get the, the giveaway for the book? Uh, the book is at wickedsmartbooks, wickedsmartbooks.com. And for your show, it's forward slash free rail. All right. As always, folks, all of the links will be below uh, in the episode guide. Chris, congratulations on all the success, man. I'm, I'm glad that you're, you're still smashing. And uh, I'm going to try and see if I can't make it work. March is, is too tight, but September, I want to try and make it out there. I'd love to connect with you. And uh, I think this is a fascinating, uh, another tool to have in the tool belt, man. This is a, a great way to help achieve that financial freedom that we're all, all running down. I appreciate it. I will see that the team gets you a few VIP tickets. And if we can help in any other way, obviously let me know. I appreciate you having me on. I really appreciate it, man. Chris Prefontaine, wicked smart folks. This is a uh, real stuff and uh, a real story. How a real guy is out there crushing it in a, in a really creative way. Congrats again. Thanks buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. As always, everyone, please stay safe.